fun, thoughtful, real conversations with leaders who figured out how to make a life change and who used their story to move themselves forward. I'm Deborah Muniz. Let's figure it out. In honor of Earth Day, I'm excited to welcome Jen Milnes to the podcast. Jen's practice focuses on sustainability. As an executive coach, she helps women have sustainable careers. She's also a sustainability consultant, educating people how to make healthier choices for themselves and the earth. Jen believes sustainable is a way of life, not just in protecting our environment, but also in caring for and nurturing ourselves. Jen spent over 15 years in corporate retail, leading global strategic, analytical, and operational teams. While her jobs were rewarding for a very long time, she felt the need to shift and make a change to impact the world in a different way. After a decade of coaching her team one-on-one and facilitating personal and team development sessions, she began the road to getting certified as an executive coach. This combined with her experience living on the West Coast and experiencing a more earth-friendly, sustainable culture, fueled her shift to focus on sustainability. Today, we talk about having a sustainable career and lifestyle and what that looks like. And to help you move forward with your green efforts, we're talking about how you can easily compost and decrease your footprint. Let's figure it out with Jen Milnes. Hi, Deb. This is Jen Milnes, and I'm an executive coach and sustainability consultant. And so as a coach, I coach women to have greater fulfillment in their careers. So either through increasing the happiness in their current career or really trying to pivot or adjust or make some changes to something that they love even more. Um, And um, as a sustainability consultant, I focus on educating groups on living more eco-friendly lifestyles. And for for me, there's a really big interplay between coaching and sustainability of having a sustainable lifestyle, so working and living in a way that we are happy and fulfilled as humans, as well as giving back to the earth. Um, So that and for me of the two different jobs is really important. Yeah, and I, I love that. I love the how you put it all into the under the sustainability umbrella. Yeah, I think it's and it's been you know as I realized this and sort of um, on my journey realized my deep passion for these two areas. It's been fun sort of as they play off of each other. Yeah, and you know when I was we've known each other for a few months, and when I was looking over your bio and everything, I've never heard anybody refer to you know, coaching and this is sustainability education under one umbrella, but it's so true. We need to build our life so that we can sustain ourselves. Yeah, I think for myself and for other people, you know, and again, for my story, like I was working so hard at a corporate job, working my way up the ladder, um, but I started to notice some unhealthy habits in my life of, Mm -hmm. you know, not exercising as much as I should, not eating the right foods, like these things that made me, eventually lead to burnout of just I wasn't taking care of myself holistically. So even though I loved my job, that lifestyle wasn't sustainable for me as a human. So I think that's, you know, part of my journey is sort of been realizing that of like, that was not sustainable, and I couldn't keep going. So wanting to help other people um, sort of make the necessary adjustments to be able to create a lifestyle that they, they do love, and they do feel like is sustainable. Yeah, so you know, I know people listening right now probably are in a corporate job um, and they're wondering how to make that change. Can you tell us what your journey was to, to make that change and make that commitment to embracing having a sustainable life in general? 
Yeah, so I think for me there was um, I ended up leaving my job, and I call it my jump. You know, I wish I had known about coaches at the time and worked with a coach yeah. that maybe I could have made some other adjustments while I was still in the job. Um, but I think I did get to a place where I really personally needed to leave. Um, mm-hmm. I knew, you know, some of the big things for me that were out of place, um, as I had mentioned, were sort of my health and eating and exercise, um, but I think also a connection to my community. So I think for me, it was really thinking about those core values that felt out of alignment. I had moved mm-hmm. from San Francisco to New Jersey, and I didn't know many people here in New Jersey yet. And because I was working all the time, I wasn't able to create that community. So I think for me personally, I needed a break and some space to sort of reconnect with some of those things that I knew was so important. So Mm -hmm. I think for people, not necessarily telling everyone to just leave your job, but I think it's really figuring out what those core values are. So I think, you know, again, I did that um, digging in to realize, okay, community was so important. So how do Mm -hmm. I start building that community and get more involved in my community? So I started volunteering more, you know, going to some activities um, that my kids were in and coaching the softball league, leading Girl Scouts. So there were a bunch of ways that for me I started connecting with others um, that helped me sort of just feel more fulfilled. Um, even though it yeah. wasn't work-related, it, it helped me in general feel stronger. Yeah, and, you know, I think, you know, I, was, I worked at a corporation as well, and until I left, I didn't cultivate a community because work was my community. Was that mm-hmm. how it was for you when you were at your job? Yeah, I think I, w- I was so connected to everyone at work. Um, and for me, that was a reason I did stay at my job so long, is that mm-hmm. I had hired my team, I had trained them, I had built them, and I felt that commitment as a leader to want to stay there and be there for my team. So they were mm-hmm. so important to me. But I think I, I didn't feel that sense of um, knowing people in the way that I want to do and connected in here um, in my new home in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point because I think that when you're like heads down working so much that you might forget, um, oh, there's life outside of this company Mm -hmm. and how can I build community connection with the people who live in my area and have a different Mm -hmm. outlet than than just Mm -hmm. my coworkers. Yeah, I think I was so busy with work and just working all the time. And yeah, I had that community at work. And then I'd come home and just see my family. But it felt like on the weekends or weeknights, you know, we used to go for a walk or a bike ride. And I didn't really know that many people or feel, it didn't feel like home. Um, but yeah. I think now we go for a bike ride and I know all the neighbors and, you know, I see other people right. in town or from the school system. And it just feels so much more connected, uh, which is mm-hmm. really important to me. Yeah. And you and I met at the Cocoan Summit, which is a co-working yes. space. And while we're virtual now, it w- it's, it's been a tremendous way to build additional community, which we now connect virtually, and yes. um, just have other people to talk to and know and connect with online now is, is amazing, not only uh, from a professional perspective, but also now from a mental health perspective, um, since we can't physically go out and see each other. Yes, 
Yes, I do think that's so important. And I remember when I first heard about the Coco from a friend, I immediately, re you know, I was like, make the intro. I need to meet one of the founders. Um, yes. So I met with one of the founders, Lauren, and was so thrilled to, you know, from day one start going to the Coco. And I think, you know, when I think of my journey, I would, like the Coco, a space like that, and not just a space, as you say, it's sort of that community of people. Um, gave me the support as I was figuring out where I would go next in my career. Um, I took off from working longer than I expected, um, but they really supported me, you know, felt like this women, um, this group of people are here. You know, there's the different classes that they offered that really helped me sort of figure out, okay, what do I really, where do I want to take this? Or, you know, think about some ideas. Yeah. When I had some ideas about sustainability, I wasn't sure how could I monetize this? How can I make mm -hmm. money off of some of these ideas? And attending some of the entrepreneur events at the COCO um, really helped me sort of think through that and think, is this viable? Is it not? Um, yeah. So I think having the events and the people, you know, I think I get so inspired by people working differently. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I think being, I worked in corporate retail for 15 years and I only knew that corporate track and I think, yeah. you know, you see people as entrepreneurs and people working sometimes, you know, before, outside the home, sometimes in the home, part-time. There's all different ways of working. And I think yeah. that's so inspiring um, that it's not just one path. We can make our own paths and our own way to make it work. Absolutely. And I think now that we are home, that we are all creating these new paths. We were mm -hmm. thrown into having to do that. Um, regardless if you, quote, worked from home before, even that looks different now than, than it might mm -hmm. have before. Yes, definitely. And I think that yeah. it, it is interesting about creating new habits and new routines. I think it, it's hard. I know when I first left my corporate job, there were days that I would wander around my house being like, what do I do? Or, you know, how do I get focused? <laughs> how do I get yeah. my work done? Um, and it was a shift, and it's an adjustment. And like you said, I think right now, yeah, depending on people's work approaches before versus now, no matter what it is, there's some change and some adapting that sort of we're all kind of being forced to, to work through right now. Yeah. And, you know, the sustainability, so now people are working from home, right? And somebody might say, mm -hmm. well, now I have a more sustainable lifestyle because I'm working from home. But if mm -hmm. we're just locking ourselves in our office for 12 to 15 hours working, mm -hmm. that's not sustainable. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. taking your body from one building in one chair and moving it to another building in another chair. So mm -hmm. I wanted to just mention that so, you know, people would say, well, but now I'm working from home. But it takes mm -hmm. layering other parts, you know, looking at core values, like you said, and, okay, how can I add connection with my family or with my community mm -hmm. or with my friends? What do I want to change? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really, you know, in the tool, one of the tools in my coaching we look at is the wheel of life. And so it is mm -hmm. thinking about, okay, all those different aspects of your life, where are you now and sort of where do you wish you could go or that you wish it would be and trying to using that as a tool to help say, okay, I wish I could be healthier. So, you know, like you said, if you're just sitting at a desk for 12 hours, well, if your goal is to be healthier, how can you maybe take one of your calls while you're walking around the neighborhood or take 10 minutes to do, you know, some stairs up and down or push-ups or how to integrate that more into your day so you are yeah. sort of working on that goal of yours. And how did you come up with sustainability? How did that become that umbrella for your practice? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think it was part of slowing down. Um, and I think for me, that was when I, um, you know, when I was at home, um, figuring out what would be next for me from a work perspective, I was, I just, I, I slowed down. I wasn't rushing anywhere. And part of trying to be healthier, I was cooking my own meals, um, like making a really amazing salad for lunch. I remember sitting there like massaging the kale with the olive oil, like it was amazing. <laughs> and I think it was through that practice of slowing down that I started to just observe and I think, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just, I was just being, you know, I think I'm such a doer yeah. in life. I'm mm -hmm. always on the go, very driven, trying to do so much, you know, I'm yeah. very efficient in how to get the most out of everything. And I think for the first time in my life, I just paused and slowed down. And through that slowing down, I observed. And I think mm -hmm. that's where I started to see, wow, there's just so much stuff coming into my house. You know, I have two young kids. And just looking at all the either the toys or the packaging or the food, so much coming in and so much getting thrown out or, you know, just that excess, um, that feeling of excess of like, this is too much, you know, and I yeah. think while I wasn't, while I wasn't working, I was also trying to save money. And so I think mm -hmm. it was this slowing down, trying to save money, it sort of all came together of um, this realization of like, how can we be better conscious consumers? Um, and in, in my family, just trying to be more conscious about what we're choosing to bring into our lives. Um, and again, at this point, it was more focused on sustainability and eco-friendliness of, okay, mm -hmm. let's stop using paper towels. You know, what if we stop using paper towels and use reusable replacements, um, either mm -hmm. an old rag or a specific, you know, they call it the unpaper towel. And it became almost like a game of like, okay, well, let's try this one thing. Let's figure it out and let's practice it and it's not going to be easy right away, but let's try it. And then yeah. soon enough that one thing happened, you know, we mastered that one thing and sort of moved on to the next. So I started realizing, you know, recognizing this deep passion for eco-friendly changes in my life. And I think part of it was slowing down. And then for me personally, having lived in San Francisco, I realized that there were a lot of um, systemic aspects about San Francisco's structure that, isn't offered here in New Jersey, and I didn't realize it was so ingrained in me. So the example is composting. Yeah. So in San, Fr in San Francisco, similar to how we put our garbage out and our recycling out on the curb, the city would come pick up compost. So we had three bins, and one was the wow. compost bin, and it was mandatory. And so we just did it. It wasn't even a question. We just composted, and they came to pick. They came and picked it up, and it was easy. So I think when I, you know, again, as I was slowing down and cooking my own meals and, you know, with my husband, we were like, okay, now, you know, let's, we need to be composting on our own. Um, mm -hmm. But even though the city won't pick it up, let's do it on our own in the backyard. Um, so I think for me, the slowing wow. down part became huge for sort of the realization of my love and passion for sustainability. Yeah, because you were able to I become think, more mindful instead of just moving. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, um, and through that work, I also, you know, as I thought about, well, again, back to my core values and what do I love, it was I love helping people become their best selves or bring out their best mm -hmm. selves, really. And that was what I loved pre about my previous corporate job. And I wanted to do more of it. So as I learned about the profession of coaching, I um, talked with other coaches, connected with former colleagues that became coaches, and began down the path of getting certified as a coach. Um, realizing just how much I loved it. 
And then I think seeing how the impact of coaching was on me. I was on a call and another coach, you know, I'm usually a pretty calm person, but he really drew out in me. He had me shouting on the phone, I want to save the world. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't expect that to come out of me. Because um, huh. I think that's the power of coaching is yeah. just helping you tap into that inner, that inner gut feeling and the inner soul of what you yeah. really want to do in this world. And I think yeah. each of us has our thing or things, you know, like in my case, it's a couple different things as many people have um, that you want to bring mm-hmm. to the world and that yeah. support and encouragement to follow it. Yeah. I think that people don't, um, I think, that, well, there's many different kinds of coaches, right? And mm-hmm. some may think traditionally that they're going to look at their resume and say, oh, you should do this. You'd be great at this. Mm-hmm. But then there's the kind of coaching that I know that you and I both do. It's really getting to that heart of who mm-hmm. the people are and what they really want to do and um, help them be just happier doing something that they love. I was going to say, and, and that's where I think it is so individual. It is really yeah. what that one person wants. And, you know, I definitely encourage my clients or people not to, not to follow what someone else is doing or just, you know, be on someone else's path because we each have our own path. And as hard as it may seem sometimes or ambiguous or, you know, where is it going, I think it's each of us, it, it is our own path. And no one can tell us what's sort of in our souls and in our hearts. And I think that's so important for people to follow. I agree. Yeah. So you mentioned composting, and I've always mm-hmm. wanted to learn how to compost. And seeing that this is um, coming out around Earth Day, can you tell us how we should compost if we want to do it in our home? Yeah. So I think um, you need two sort of main things or, you know, part of your process to make it work. Um, so first is in your kitchen, a small compost bin. So as you're cooking and cutting up food and you have your food scraps, um, putting them into that small bin, what you need to do is set up outside a compost bin or compost area. So, um, and I was just talking to someone about this this morning. There's many different types out there. Um, I personally use one called a tumbler. So it's a like plastic bin that sits elevated off the ground. And what's really important about composting is um, creating a 50-50 mix of wet goods, so your kitchen scraps, and dry goods. And dry goods being um, like leaves from your backyard or hay and creating that mix of items in your compost um, or in the bin. And then uh, rotating it and giving it oxygen. So I think, and it's amazing because when when we started composting here um, in New Jersey, we were, I think we had about three grocery bags or three garbage bags full of of garbage per week, and we went down mm-hmm. to one garbage bag per week. Um, wow. So it had reduced the amount of garbage we were producing. And the important thing is if you're doing it in your backyard, most compost bins, um, you can't put meat or dairy uh, because you don't mm-hmm. want any rodents coming in. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think to get started, it's um, thinking about, okay, well, what can you put in there? And, um, and then chopping up really small. Um, or as small as you can, to put in the compost bin will help it break down faster. And I think, okay. to me, like, like when coaching or when trying these different sustainability tips, I really put on my scientist mindset of, okay, it's an experiment. I'm going to try this. I might not be perfect at it, but I'm going to try mm-hmm. it. 
Um, yeah. So I think something we learned with composting, doing it on our own for the first time in the backyard, was we weren't doing enough of that dry mix. So I think okay. it's making sure you have that mix of wet and dry to help the food break down in the best way possible. And I think we also learned that items that say they're compostable doesn't necessarily mean they're backyard compostable. So for example, oh, okay. some um, cups, uh, like a, it might look like a plastic cup, but it says it's compostable. What that really means is it's uh, commercial compostable. So commercial grade heating system, it will break down, um, but it won't necessarily break down in your backyard compost. So okay. when we first emptied our compost bin, we had a, um, some compostable bags that were in there. So they were compostable bags that we used to use in San Francisco, um, but that's because they were going to a commercial composting facility. And then we had all these bags that weren't breaking down in our compost. So again, oh. I think it was a learning of like, okay, mm -hmm. I guess we, guess we can't do that again. Um, let's stop using the bags and, you know, just put directly from that indoor compost bin that you keep on your kitchen counter directly from there into the larger compost bin in your backyard. And I love how you just framed that about comparing it with coaching and, and life is just trying and seeing what works and mm -hmm. learning and then try something different. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think, you know, sometimes we're afraid to try and fail. Um, and yeah. I know you and I have talked about this before, sort of the idea of failing. And I think yep. um, it's hard for people. And I know it was hard for me, you know, as a recovering perfectionist, I want to do everything right. But I think what's helped me and what I work on with clients is what mindset you need to take to help you do that thing. Um, yeah. So for me, it's using that scientist mindset that helps me get into this sort of phase or, you know, openness to just try it and see what happens and think of it as a learning and then how can I apply those learnings to the next time I'm going to do it. Yeah, I love that perspective. So that also, just even the composting of breaking it down, that reminds me of just in coaching, breaking down tasks into smaller mm -hmm. steps. I, I just, um, how it's all coming down to breaking things down to get to the essence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. I think it can, you know, whether we're talking about the sustainability, eco-friendly tips, or making changes in your career and your life, it can sometimes feel very overwhelming. And I think mm -hmm. that's where it is, just focusing on one thing at a time. You know, I think a lot of um, driven women that I work with will have the longest to-do list. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, what's the one thing you want to do today or the one mm -hmm. biggest thing this week? And trying to break it down um, so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming and that you make that forward step. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like the composting, it's like, okay, well, I, I'm going to just try it and do it and take that one step forward. Um, and I think for us, once we were composting, we started, you know, again, doing something else in the kitchen. And it sort of led to the next step of being a more sustainable household. Um, so, yeah, I think breaking things down and focusing on one thing at a time is so helpful. Yeah. So you mentioned having a more sustainable household. Since we're home now a bit more, what are a few things that you think that we could do to increase our sustainability that maybe we couldn't have done when we were out of the house? more often. Yeah. I think um, one big thing is around food planning and minimizing mm -hmm. our waste. So I know we're talking about composting, which we could, you know, which is great for all those scraps or food that you don't eat. But ideally right now, you know, many of us are not 
are trying to avoid the grocery store maybe or not shop as often. So I think planning yeah. out what you're going to eat because um, food waste accounts for 40% per- of our food gets wasted typically wow. in previous statistics, which is a yeah. huge number. So I think trying to sit down and think about what meals you want to make, what food you need, and having that schedule or calendar of what you're going to make and what you're going to use can really help you be more um, conscious and uh, detailed to not waste your food. So I think Mm -hmm. food planning to minimize your food waste is a big one. I think another one is we started using more cloth napkins and Mm -hmm. that really helped cut down on stopping to buy the napkins and using the reusable. And I always talk about, you know, both with sustainability tips and in coaching that you need a support structure or something to help you make your habit change. So just switching to reusable napkins can be really hard. I know for us it was, okay, well, now we have a dirty napkin. Where do you put it? You know, I don't want to walk all the way down to the washing machine after every meal or every time I have a dirty napkin. So uh, what I suggest to people is a – like a bucket of some sort somewhere in the kitchen that's close by. Um, so like we keep it in our pantry. So this way when the whole family, you know, when we're done with our reusable napkins or paper towel replacements, our rags, we just put it all in the bucket. And then when the bucket's full, we do, I do the laundry. So using that bucket as a support structure to really help making that habit change of using reusable napkins um, a little bit smoother for your family. So I think with any of these changes, thinking about, okay, why is this feeling hard? And what can I do to make it easier? And then I love that. I'd say my, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's so important to have support when you're trying to do it. So you're not the only one nagging people. Um, mm-hmm. And like at a corporation, right, you want buy-in from the team to make the project, yeah. the project a success. Exactly. And say my third thing to recommend um, right now, if you're trying to get started from a sustainability perspective, um, really is more of that being a conscious shopper. So I know it's been tempting, even myself sometimes, to buy things online. You know, online sales are great right now and get stuff shipped to your house. But really trying to put items in your basket that you're buying and wait. You know, put a, you know, I think I had put a two-day minimum or, you know, five items must be in the cart on Amazon or whatever your personal rules are to sort of slow down that consumption. Um, Because I think all the packaging of items getting shipped to us can, and the shipping carbon from the transportation networks can add up. So I think trying to be more conscious of what we're buying right now um, can really help from an environmental perspective. I think that's a, a great tip because it's so easy to just click buy now on Amazon, but mm-hmm. then it's box after box coming days apart when it yep. can be delivered at once. Yeah, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Guilty. <laughs> I'm going to start yeah. becoming a little more Well, it's restrained. so easy. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes yeah. it so easy, right? Yeah, you're like, I need this thing. Hurry, get it here. But I think Done. what we started changing in my family was, okay, we need to have five items in the cart. And then sometimes something would be sitting in the cart, and I think I'd be like, wait a minute. Maybe we have something else that could work. You know, maybe yeah. we don't need to buy that new thing. We could you reuse something else in the house. Um, so I think that reusing around the house or repurposing can be really helpful too. Um, but again, it's, so it's, it's that moment to slow yourself down, at least what worked for me. Because, yeah, like you said, it's like, oh, click, get, send. Um, Got but it. if I put it in the cart and I just wait a little bit, 
and then the creative juices start flowing of, okay, well, what can I reuse or repurpose in the house? Yeah, and you have to be mindful. And maybe when yeah. you come back to the cart, you might realize that you don't need the thing there. And yeah, you're just impulse shopping, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I've definitely been like, okay, I didn't need that. Or yeah, it wasn't important. And so it is that, um, yeah, you're more mindful about it and sort of aware of, okay, well, why was I buying that if, if I didn't really need it? And sort of thinking about right. your own habits and your own lifestyle. Right. So let's talk about... Now that we're all home, um, maybe people have a little bit more time to think about what they want. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's maybe be sensitive to people who can't hire a coach or don't want to take the time right now. What do you think that people could do right now to start making a shift for themselves uh, while they're working from home and we're in this time? So I would say... Um, one tool I like to use with people is thinking about your future self. So mm-hmm. really envisioning, okay, in the future, what do I want for myself? You know, if anything was possible, what would I want? What would I want my life to look like? How would I want to be acting? What would I want to be doing? And I think as you sort of create that future self and that image of what you want for yourself, you can start to get clearer on what you're wanting. And I know for some people that might not be clear, you know, some people, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on where everyone is, they're like, well, I don't know. I want either so many different things or I'm overwhelmed or I'm too stressed or, you know, just I can't even picture that future self. I, I think thinking about times that you are really happy, you know, like the best day, you know, an amazing day you had in the past year, what did you do that day? You know, was Mm -hmm. it biking with your family, going on a hike? Was it, delivering the, the best presentation with really coherent facts and analytics that persuaded the room. So I think really trying to think about an amazing day and pull out what aspects of that day made it amazing um, to really help get to those core values. And I think yeah. understanding what drives you and what really motivates you can help you get connected to that of, okay, well, I love doing analysis and I love communicating the findings um, and having an impact on an organization. You know, I think getting clear on what those are of, okay, some analytical work, impact, connecting with people can help people sort of get clear on what they want to be doing and maybe where they want to go if they're not there. And I think with that, that third step is really that acknowledgement of, okay, if you know where you want to go or you know what you would love, but maybe you're not there, is okay there's room there for you to grow and that's where it's what's that one step that you could take to get yourself closer from where you are now to where you want to go you can learn more about jen on her website jenmilms.com and follow her on instagram at jen.milms this is a time of such isolation and one of the things that has kept me engaged and upbeat is being a member of the coco and summit They've pivoted to offering virtual workshops, support groups, and virtual office hours that help to keep the members accountable and create space for actually getting some work done. I know now might not seem like the time to join a workspace, but when your workspace is virtual, it is. The Coco offers a community of hundreds of women who I have personally found to be smart, generous, encouraging, kind, and supportive. 
When you're home with your kids or trying to focus on your business, it's really helpful to have a community who you can go to for support. This is that community. Visit the Coco online at theco-co.com and tell them Deb Muni sent you. I'm Deborah Muniz, and you've been listening to Let's Figure It Out. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Deborah Muniz or at DebraMuniz.com. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast at iTunes. Fun, thoughtful, real conversations with leaders who figured out how to make a life change and used their story to move themselves forward. This is Let's Figure It Out. Let's Figure It Out.